Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to the Influential You podcast. I'm Josh D'Amigo, program faculty member for Influential You and your co-host for this weekly podcast. Our co-founder and co-host of this podcast, John Patterson, is here as well. At Influential You, we teach you how to take charge of your career and amplify your professional influence. Since 2009, we have helped thousands of business owners, executives, and entrepreneurs become more influential, more rewarded, and more you. Today, we welcome Anthony Nicoli to the Influential You podcast. Anthony Nicoli is the Aerospace Senior Director for Siemens Digital Industries, and he leads Siemens' efforts to help the aerospace and defense industry digitalize its electrical engineering systems development. John, there'll be a quiz on that in a little bit. Wow, that was great. I can't believe you got that all in one. That was good. He holds his master's and bachelor's in science from MIT, an MBA from Northeastern University, and completed the corporate venturing program from the Wharton School of Business. He's also completed the Fundamentals of Transaction, Mechanics and Practice programs, and is towards the end of his Mechanics and Practice II PSTI program. He's a brilliant man and a fantastic student. Today, he's going to tell us more about how his insatiable hunt for education and knowledge led him to study transactional competence here at Influential U. He lives in Wilsonville, Oregon with his wife, Doreen, and his three children, and I'm so excited to have him join us. Please join me in welcoming Anthony Nicoli to the Influential U podcast. We, we did it. I'm so proud of us. We did it, Anthony. How are you doing? <laughs> doing great, Josh. Thank you. And you know, you keep that up, I'm going to have to offer you a job. I like that. Well, I'll tell you this. Be careful. He's sitting right here. Anthony, why don't you explain to John and I what exactly your role is? Because it sounds to me a little bit like gobbledygook, but I'd love to hear what you do for Siemens and what that means to laymen. Okay. So at Siemens, we go to market by industry. Okay. And one of the big industries that uh, benefits from our uh, product lifecycle management and overall development tools is aerospace and defense. And my job is to make sure that our customers derive real value from what we offer. And, you know, professionally, I've been, I've been honing my ability to articulate value into the marketplace for about 40 years now. And one of the things that I'm particularly good at is making it easy to understand and making it compelling. And that actually helps both sides of the transaction, right? Because if our customers see what's in it for them, then we get the capture value later. So I'm kind of like the, the impedance matcher between what we do and what they need. That's good. John, did, oh did that make God. any more sense to you? Okay, good. Because uh, John will explain it to me later. Uh, but Tony, I love that <laughs> to me because Every time we've studied, and you gave me one of the best compliments I've ever received one time when you called me and said, I'm not calling you as your client, my client manager. I'm calling you as someone who studies like I do. And I just want you to know that has always meant something to me because I, I hold you in such esteem with your degrees and the, and the way that, that you kind of move. Tell me a little bit about why someone in your position with your skill sets needs to study transactional competence. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, it's because I... I was, and I remain naive. I'm less naive, but I remain. <laughs> I continue to learn, right? And I think probably the biggest thing that um, I found in studying with Influential You was how much help I need, how important it is to seek help, how actually seeking help is a sign of ambition 
not a sign of weakness. I grew up actually in an environment that actually was not just uh, encouraging to be self-actional, to do things on your own, but actually was yeah. suspicious of help. Whether it was, you know, whether someone might, you know, take advantage of you or might provide you help that was of insufficient quality and then you'd have to do it over again, right? I remember growing up in, in my father and my uncle's environment where that was very much a concern because they had been bit a number of times and, you know, once bitten, twice shy. Right. And in studying with Influential You, going through the curriculum, I discovered that, um, you know, help is really the foundation of satisfaction of our aims. And that if we're if we live in an environment, you know, we live in a world today where we where we all have ambition. OK, whether we can realize that ambition or whether we retain that ambition is is uh, can be called into question, right? Yeah. But if we want to meet our ambitious aims, we need to rely on each other. We cannot, by definition, we can't accomplish what needs to be accomplished without the help of everybody in our environment. And we can go through, there's a lot of things we can talk about there, right, to, to detail that out. But the bottom line is, if, I, if I'm not making offers of help myself, and requesting help from others, I'm not going to hit my goals. I'm not going to hit my aims. I'm not going to hit my quotas. I'm not going to hit uh, satisfaction in my relationship. I, I just can't emphasize that enough. And then when we get into the curriculum that Influential You provides, I mean, it's basically a, a master class in how to do that, how to ask That's for so help. Good. And how to take care of yourself while you do it, you know, not to not to short change yourself. So good. I'm I'm kind of curious about your personal revelation about that. So I understand that you grew up around people who may have been a little bit, you know, cautious about getting help from other people, but everybody that goes through influential you um also has a bit of a an experience of something they gotta deal with in themselves to let go a bit or to uh, trust that help or to quantify that help or what'd you go through? Well, I would say I'm still going through it, John, you know, it's, aren't we all, at, at, I remember when I first met you, I think it was at a, uh, a workshop up in uh, Portland and we actually did a self-categorization into the different transactional personalities, right? Okay. And as it, and I quickly identified myself as an inventor. And as an inventor, inventors like to control things, right? We like certainty. Actually, to be more precise, if there's going to be uncertainty in the world, we want to create it. We want to insert the new thing, <laughs> right? I'm quoting you on that, that one. That is okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I have, I had to let go of the control. Here he is crossing his arms. I still have to let go of the control, right? Yeah. And, and so, and I was talking to Josh about this uh, just a few minutes back, right? That it, and, and more, I continue to get more insights into this, that the environment that we're part of, that we're an aspect of, right? First, accepting that you're actually an aspect of an environment. And that the environment actually ends up 
propelling you to satisfaction or dissatisfaction, right? And from that perspective, what's really coming to me now is that it's not just enough to go ask people for help or to, or to ask or to connect into the environment for help. If I'm not getting what I want, I need to start investing in the environment. Hmm. And it, and we could go into many different aspects of that, yeah. right? You know, we just had an election and there's a lot of, uh, of strain, right? But I would invite people to consider how much have they invested in their political environment if they're dissatisfied with the outcomes that they're seeing in, in at, at their local or state or federal level, right? Yeah. And and that's just one thing. I mean, it, really, it came to me in in my own organization, where what I'm asking our organization to do in order to serve these customers that I described before, you know, again, impedance matcher, make sure if 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 we give them value, I'm going to get value. If I want to grow, I got to help these guys more. Yep. And I'm asking them to do things that are, given the state of our environment, are unnatural acts. They, they just are not happening. So that means that we have to change how the system functions. We have to figure out how, how to change our environment so that it becomes a natural outcome. And, and if you don't mind me going down this path a little more, right? I, I, another student that we both like, uh, Marika Mertens, right? I was talking yeah. to her about the importance of her environment when it was really coming to uh, my, the, the forefront of my consciousness. And one of the analogies that really rang true for us was that if you go into a forest, and I live in the Pacific Northwest, so it's basically a rainforest, you find that there's all sorts of life living in these different ecosystems. And let's just take, you know, you got a lot of mushrooms, right? You got a lot of fungus, you got a lot of trees. And what you find is that the environment will provide you the resources if you are satisfying its requirements. So trees grow. They suck up all these nutrients from the ground, right? Now, if the trees never decayed, no new trees could ever come back. So they throw all these all these logs, all these dead trees at, at the mushrooms, right? They eat them, they decompose them and put the nutrients back in. You have a completely, you have a virtuous cycle that's, that's happening, right? Where the trees are growing, they throw resources at the mushrooms, the mushrooms are growing, they throw resources at the trees. And we have to create these kinds of virtuous cycles if we want to get the outcomes to our, that we want in our aims, if we want to satisfy our aims. Now that's not, that's easier said than done, right? Because the, the, the forest has had millions or billions of years to evolve into that kind of equilibrium, but it doesn't matter. We still have to go figure that out if we want what we want. Yeah. And sometimes we have to adjust, right? Yeah. You can come in and say, well, I want what I want, but if you're not providing something into the environment so you get what you want, then you got to you got to adjust your offer, right? Oh, it's such a good it's, good lesson on professional influence uh, and producing value in the environments in which you seek to thrive. Well, and yeah. I I love that the you've said the word help already at least thirty times, maybe forty. Good, maybe right. And that four letter word that so many people struggle. <laughs> with. On, I know. On the drive over here, I'm on the phone with another one of our favorites, Kim Corbett. 
giving me help. And I'm, I felt my biology fighting her. Like mm -hmm. I felt myself fighting the help. So I'll, I'll start with this. When you realized that influential you was going to help you out that, that beginning of the journey, what was that moment where you say, Hey, you know what? This is life right now. I need to fix some things. Where did you go? What did your brain do when you realized that you needed the help that was what you study here at Influential U? Uh, well, that's interesting. Um, uh, well, uh, so, I mean, early on, when I first started with, uh, okay, I was introduced to Influential U and and I still feel like this, right? And, and I think it's basically because of the progressive revelation of the understanding of how transactional competence functions, right? You, you get a little inkling, you know, John knows something that's valuable. You know, back in that workshop, John knows something that's valuable. And I think that I wanna know that, I, meaning I wanna be able to do that to use one of our condition of life distinctions, right? Uh, and so it's been this progressive revelation of what was possible, Josh. Mm. And and the, the other thing is that this stuff emerges, right? It's not like when I started, the curriculum was, was fully, uh, was, was, was as matured as it is now. Right. So the whole ecology that is working through um, the curriculum and you guys, as you're developing and extending the curriculum, is getting more fit. You can see right, it, right? right? right Just right. in the topics that come up during the conferences or the discussions that happen during the, uh, the classes or even FOT. FOT is so different now than when I took it. And it was only five years ago that I took it, right? But it's much more centered on the practice of the 13 steps. It's much more, I would say, much more rigorous in terms of the, 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 the spine of the, the program, the 13 steps, and getting yeah. people to focus on that in a much more laser-like focus. So um, I don't know if that answers your question. It's yeah, 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 it does. It, it does. And I think... Um... I'm actually going to take you all the way to the end of your journey for just a second. We can come back, but in the end of your journey and in some of the notes that you provided us, you talk about some pretty substantial business results. And <laughs> I'm saying this for our listeners who is, you know, I, I've known you for quite some time, of course, and you're an abstract thinker. You're somebody who's um, able to take philosophical abstract concepts and then sort of put them into play, put them into practice and so forth in a way that's obviously produced a, a great advantage for you. But for our listeners, what's the bottom line? How did this help you at Siemens? Yeah, this is a total no BS thing, right? Because at the end of the day, over the last seven years, I've been able to grow off what is now a $40 million a year business, okay, at a 20% compound annual growth rate to truly serve the aerospace and defense industry in EE systems development. And, and that's, so I'm, so what's really cool, right? Is that we're bringing real capability that's, that's 
very necessary in order for us to get to the next generation of aerospace and defense platforms. Let's just talk about commercial aircraft, right? If we want to have sustainable commercial aircraft, we're going to have to probably go through five to 10 iterations and we're going to have to go through them fast. Okay. And, and everybody has troubles, right? Everybody it's, it's difficult for everybody in the world to manage their data sets. You know, I think everybody can agree to that. I mean, I'm having trouble getting onto a new email system today. Right. But we have the ability to actually reduce that problem. It's real value. So there's, and, and you get that by listening, right? By actually identifying the breakdowns that people have and then coming home and truly not just articulating, but instantiating solutions to that. Yeah. And then it, it has, it has real value to us. It's not, it's not like you just spray value out into the world. You have to capture some back. You have to, you have to contract back for compensation, right? Yeah. And and that's where the business growth comes from, right? That's where you can take something from under 10 million bucks a year to now more than 40 a year and grow at double digit rates, which honestly does not happen that frequently in hundred billion dollar companies. You just don't see that, right? That's the realm of startups. And certainly one of the big contributors to this is transactional competence, professional right. influence. Because uh, if you're in, if any of you are in a large company, you know that no one comes and lends you resources with, <laughs> they don't just offer you resources. You have to go and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you have to justify them. You have to actually trade for them, right? You have to, you truly have to transact for them and you do it incrementally. So this idea of running around the transaction cycle, right? The iterative nature of transaction is, you know, it, it's, it, it's happening every day, every right. day. Right. So well, I think it's one of the things I'm just going to pile on, you know, yeah. um, I know we've mentioned Marika, as well and kim and so many others um there are by the way uh, for all listeners about half of the people that participate here at influential you are uh, in some way small business owners to medium to large business owners executives and things like that and then the other half are about uh are people that work within large organizations and so the people that work in large organizations are often asking about how what we teach is applicable within those organizations and anthony you just did a brilliant job of saying how and i'm going to simplify it by saying in every instance if you work in a large organizations you're either producing buy-in or someone's buying <laughs> someone's getting <laughs> your buy-in so there's a kind of buy-in that people are able to uh wield through transactional competence to get their you know, their initiatives launched to have people buy into the, the things they're committed to and so forth. Any final comment on that before we move on? No, I think that's accurate. I think, uh, you know, there, there, there are details we could go into, but let, let's, I, I want to let you get through some of your agenda here too. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, you're doing a great job with our agenda. So you just keep doing you. Uh, I'll, I'll say this, Anthony. Um, you then take the program and you start to realize some things. You start to learn some things, maybe some places where you were naive, where you weren't maybe thinking accurately about what you were doing or you're sacrificing some things. Can you tell me a little bit about what you learned once you got into the program and started applying some of this stuff to your everyday life? Hmm. I think, 
So specifically, I learned, okay, one of the big things I learned was mistakes I was making in the way I was uh, trying to advance uh, the activity that I wanted accomplished in order to achieve certain aims. And by that, I mean that I have, uh, as like many people, like many inventors do, I have this tendency to identify a, something I want. I will invite who I consider to be the right people, usually people of significant influence in an organization, and then I'll jump into action, okay, into, into activity, and try to get people at lower levels of an organization to do what needs to be done by top-down, uh, by, by forcing it top-down, let's just call mm -hmm. it what it is, okay, as opposed to trying to be... And, and, you know, we call that, right, in, in Influencer you we call that the infinity loop of an inventor. Mm -hmm. And yeah. what, I, what I just started to see, after I was introduced to that, I started to see how I was causing transactional breakdowns by doing that. You know, I was basically forcing people into contracts that they never wanted, they had never intended. Right. And then and I was wondering why I couldn't make things go more quickly and why I had to spend so much time making things happen. OK. And and it took a good two years to get to the point where I started to be uh, conscious of moving in the proper direction of the transaction cycle of not just inviting the right people, but inviting the entire team, right, to the possibility of what, what I wanted to uh, do, the activity I wanted, to secure their intent to act, to negotiate a contract with, with people up and down the hierarchy. And what I've discovered in the course of the last 18 months, and actually a lot of this came to fruition through COVID, you know, as I think about it, because where a lot of people were having serious breakdowns when they couldn't engage, I was just getting into the uh, into the swing of applying the transaction cycle properly. Mm -hmm. And I was able to continue my, not just the activity and, and the fulfillment of the activity I needed, but also the, uh, the generation of the results, the financial results yeah. through that period, right? Because I was, uh, I, I had, there's like a momentum, there's like an organizational or let's say environmental momentum that gets generated once you actually bring people through the steps and get them to explicitly agree that they right. are going to move forward and fulfill this this activity that's been defined it's so good anthony because you're uh, it's wonderful to listen to you speak because if you're listening and you're familiar with the transaction cycle that's the primary framework that we teach and everything that we do lays right on top of that the narratives of the transaction cycle, planning strategy, tactics, and implementation, personality and transactional behavior. If you're listening, then you can hear Anthony moving around the transaction, even in the way that he talks. Now, if you didn't catch it, rewind, go back, and you'll hear him talk through that. But I'm curious about something because one of the things that you, uh, I know that you've done is, is that you found it very easy to use this framework within the organization 
and have people easily go, oh, okay, yeah, I can see where we are. We're, you know, we're moving from invitation into presentation and, you know, we haven't yet contracted for this thing. So it, tell me a little bit about what it's like in your environment to bring people into a transaction as we teach it. Do you, you draw it on a board? Do you, you know, take people around? What What's that look like? Well, actually, it, it usually starts with identifying where we're having a breakdown in the transaction, frankly, mm -hmm. because um, you, you, it, it often happens in a meeting where we'll have a few folks and they're, and some of them are, are, are trying to complete some, some of them are trying to, to initiate a contract. Some of them are just trying to work. Okay. Some are trying to completely invent a new thing. And uh, so it, it, it comes back to assessing the situation, digging in and where are we in this? And then really level loading, aligning people on saying, so we really need to identify what, what our aim is here. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's start by identifying our aim and all agreeing on what our aim is. And in a way, we just kind of walk through uh, at least a, a subset of the first seven steps, John. You know, what is the aim, yeah, yeah. and and are we really good? Are we really able to go after it? And have we done the preparation to think accurately about this? And sometimes that's where it stops, right? It's like, okay, let's go research and then come back. So and you work up to. The point of being able to propose something to move forward, which would be the possible invent the invitation to a possibility, right? And right. once we and once we get there, um, it, it really isn't that hard, right? Once you right. actually get people to, if you do a good job on this assessment part and getting people to understand what what we're all trying to achieve, and then getting them to to research properly the the background, get you might argue about two or three different things you might you might argue about where to apply resources because the resources are always limited but you never argue about uh the value of the of the aims anymore right well, it's, yeah and i'm kind of curious if you have this experience because in larger organizations my experiences is that people sort of relax that there's a framework we might now utilize to move this transaction forward or that there are steps it's uh, i've seen it again and again and again where i say well let me offer something yeah. and then what i do is I, I you know sometimes i draw a transaction cycle on a board a whiteboard or something and say let's first assess to use your words where we are in this transaction and people go gosh i, I don't actually know yeah. i think we might and i get everyone's alignment on where we are and then from there the rest is great because now we're all on the same page and it's it's literally like following a roadmap. Any comment on that? Yeah, one of the things that I really find a, an easy entry point if if someone's not interested in in the in a conceptual framework, right, is to talk okay. about the different personalities. Yes. Right. You know, whenever so the way I'll I'll do it is you know whenever you're talking about something or trying to accomplish something, you got you know you got people who want to invent things, people who are interested in relationships, people just want to get things done and people who just want to protect, right? And everyone can identify themselves in there and then they start to talk, right? You can ask questions. So if, especially if someone's a problem, right? If someone's like been resisting, pushing back and trying to push the transaction in the opposite direction, well, what's the, what's your concern? Where are you in this, 
in this uh, personality framework. And what is it? Because people usually don't have um, uh, malicious intentions. They have their perspective on what's right for the organization. And they want to make sure that that's heard and that it gets addressed. And so they'll bring it out, right? And right. it happened to me in a uh, in a customer meeting just two weeks ago, right? Where this and clearly this guy uh, wanted to protect his organization, and he had felt that we had done them wrong, and he brought it up like soon as we got into the conversation, right? It was like this, and, and it, it was you could just hear the screaming no that was coming from this guy, right? And so. Uh, so I let him, I let him con converse. I, I asked him about it. And then, frankly, in order to try to put this in the past, John, which we know is, uh, you know, we're talking about the judge personality now, right? And we got to yep. get this thing in the past. At least four times during that meeting, I acknowledged the problem and I apologized. And I told him that it was it was addressed and would not happen again, right? And literally, by the time we got to dinner that night, he was talking about how he would direct a portion of his budget towards the proposal I made during the presentation I had. Okay. So, and how do you do that, right? It, it, it's different for every personality, right? But, but the, the personalities themselves are great entry points to get people working uh, productively in the transaction cycle. Yeah. And it sounds like it, it really goes back to what you said at the very beginning. You gave help to get help. You gave him the help of listening and gave gave that person that, you know, it's just fascinating to kind of see it in action as you're speaking about it. And for those of you that are joining us, if you're just joining us, this is Anthony Nicoli with Siemens, um, <laughs> kind of brought to you by Thrive, but we'll tell you about that in a little bit. But what we want to okay. say really, Anthony, is, well, then if life's going really good now, like, tell us more about what the practical uses. What is life like now after the fundamentals transaction? Now that you've really curriculum. like curriculum, now that you've you've really started to implement it in a lot of places, can you show me like a few other times or stories or, or circumstances in which this has really been helpful for you in your personal life, um, not just business? Oh, yeah, in my personal life. Okay, so let's uh, let's take <laughs> like a situation with my son. All right. <laughs> And this is great, okay? Because my son is—he's uh, very kinesthetically oriented, right? Mm. And 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 he's he's had a a very difficult time getting to the point where he has he could resonate with the uh, with a. a a learning environment, right? And he yeah, just yeah. joined the Portland Jewelry Academy and he's finishing up their first round of um, of education and he's going to take the second one, I think. And he's loving it. This is the first time that he's ever came home from uh, a, a, any kind of schooling and said, you know, Dad, I want to go back there tomorrow, right? And so how does this relate to the transaction cycle? Well, he's... It, it's taking him a great deal of time to come to the understanding of what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And being the kind of 
relatively directed person that I am. <laughs> I was not always very patient. <laughs> yeah. So by uh, I've been able to uh, to use the transaction cycle as a way of communicating with him, of moving through the uh, the the various possibilities of what he might do, right? And then to just kind of turn him loose and let him work through things on his own to get to the point where he could move forward to the next step, right? So I got really good at inviting him to do things and then letting it, letting it go, right? That's so good. That's so good. And uh, I imagine that just brings a lot of joy and satisfaction to your relationship as well. Do you also, um, uh, is there anything in there about, you know, his personality uh, as we teach it and your personality, any, anything to come to terms with there? Uh, are you both inventors or are you different personalities? Uh, he says he's, he's an inventor judge. I kind of, I experience him, I experience him more as a producer, honestly. Yeah. He, you know, and, um, and so there's definite conflict there <laughs> because, uh, uh, but uh, the, the bottom line is, I had to get to the point where I could just let him go do his thing, John. Good. I mean that—that's really it, right? If, yeah, he, yeah. if I could get allow him to go and fulfill on the activity that he wanted to do, then we—it it sort of and we provide more guidance and yeah, do yeah. that guidance in a, in a way of invitation, and uh, and then help him think through how he's going to move to the next step. Things things went a lot better. So good. Yeah, I've I've got to meet Anthony Jr. and I, I, that's who I'm guessing we're talking about. And I I just adore him. And he was so much fun when we got to play and talk about it. So I'm glad that he's soaking it up. I'm glad that you're reiterating that. And I'm glad that it's a way to relate because it, it really is a way to function, and it helps so much with just understanding that other person over there and what they're going through. So I imagine that there's other stories that you have or other relationships or things like that you. You mentioned that you didn't have some conditions of life and now you have some conditions of life that you're taking care of or you have aims for anything to say about like conditions of life now, as opposed to what they were like maybe four or five years ago when you started studying. Yeah, I think when I started studying, my my emphasis was uh, were on conditions of life like health and money and uh, relationship. Right. And there were a lot of conditions of life that I sort of ignored they didn't even know that they were conditions of life in a way right because we study things like uh career and identify you know your career identity and to actually get conscious about your reputation in the ecology that you're functioning and the idea of sociality and understanding how you function among others right how you actually work with others to advance things and i didn't have any uh aims associated with that. I didn't even know I needed to have aims associated with some of these yeah. things, right? And I think another one that was really important was fitness, right? Because um, fitness is, I think, at least for me, was very narrowly defined. There's physical fitness, but there's actually a, a much broader range of fitness 
now that I've gone through this study that I attend to, right? There's fitness to hit aims in in all of the 15 conditions of life. And it it really requires that you do your background work. And part of that background work is, I'll go back to the earlier conversation, is to admit that you're not going to be the expert in all of these that that gets you to where you want to be in all these conditions of life. So you got part of your fitness is having the network, right? Having the help yeah, at, yeah. at your fingertips to get it done and to use it. So good. Uh, Anthony, I am so upset that time moves the way that it does like second after second. And then all of a sudden you look up and you're like, Whoa, it's two thirty-six. Like, how did this happen? So I, I just want to say this, we would like to give you a soapbox moment, but we're going to have to invite you on again to talk more because it's just, it's wonderful. And maybe even on the e-coaching as well, but soapbox moment, something that you would stand up on the street corner and shout about what, what matters what you to do? you. Yeah, what matters to you? Yeah, sure. So soapbox moment, I think the most important thing for me is that to approach the world with a sense of blessing. Blessing means to favor and protect, right? And, and I think that if we come to our work and we come to our families and to our relationships and our environments with a sense of wanting to favor or assist them and then protect them so that they can provide what we need in the long term, I don't know what more we can do. I think that's the best contribution we can bring. And um, there, there's, there's an inexhaustible supply of breakdowns out there, guys, right? And, and that's a blessing and a curse, right? We, have, we will never be able to, I will never have a, a, a completion to the work to do <laughs> in the world, right? To the contribution I can bring because there's so much that needs to be, to, so much help that's required in the world. And, and I think that's, that's actually a source of, 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 of uh, opportunity for all of us. Yeah, and yeah. I, I encourage people to go after it, right? There are too few people who are, to me, there are too few people who want to go and help fix the breakdowns. A lot of people who want to get uh, get the help in one direction. I don't know. Yeah, but... yeah. Well, Todd Brossart, one of my other, you know, a, a, a former guest that we had just put something in the chat that I think you'll really enjoy. Uh, great episode. Anthony's example of how he helps people identify their transactional personalities in order to find a sense of unity when addressing breakdowns was great. So I just want to give you that compliment before you go and also say thank you for being on the podcast today. John and I are going to discuss you a little bit and then we'll come back with you after the podcast is over and check in on you. Sound good? Well, thanks a lot for having me. It was a lot of fun and uh, my best to you and all your listeners. Thank you so great. much. Anthony. Thanks for being here, Anthony. Where where do you start? Oh, where do you start? Well, that was just a master class in transactional competence within a large organization. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll say this. If you're a listener, if you're a student of ours, go back and listen. Go back and listen a few different times. But here's what I want to point out that's really great about Anthony. I love that he focused so much on the study of transactional competence as a means to everything he described. Yeah. Um, you could hear that he has a relationship to his fitness in each condition of life, uh, that he woke up to those different conditions, found out he might be naive to them, that he may not be fit to satisfy them. And then he just went after his own fitness through study. 
uh, and practice, uh, it, you know, iterations of practice as I can hear it. And I, my hat's off to anybody that does that. That's phenomenal. Yeah. I, I used to say this, John, soccer is the easiest sport to figure out. You take a ball, you kick it into goals, but it can get so complex. It can be the hardest sport to master. And what I heard Tony talk about a lot was it was kind of a master class, like you said, in the sense of I'm listening to him following along and thinking, wow, that is like, that's what I do in a simpler, like more like down to earth. And what he's taking with it and making it is this amazing art form in a way. The, and the way that he uses language, the way that he describes things, there were so many different things in here. Help is the foundation of the satisfaction of our aims. If there is uncertainty, inventors want to be the ones who create it. Mm. Um, and then the results, the $40 billion at 20% compound interest, I mean, that he got in his... Compound, yeah. And I'm yeah. sitting there going, uh, I'm not good at math, but even I know that that's a good that's, thing. That's so, great. yeah, it it was very... Um, it's, it's always nice to study with him because he brings a perspective that my non-scientific mind sits there and goes, wait, what? Say that again. So this will be an episode that I watch multiple times so as well. Good. So... Uh, well, we want to thank you guys for joining us as well. And if you'd like to know more about us, you can go to influentialu.global and explore our courses, consulting, and conferences. We offer a four-year curriculum for those seeking an advanced experience. However, if you're new to Influential U, we recommend you start with Thrive, our self-guided training. Thrive is a self-guided program that lets you learn at your own pace. Thrive members enjoy weekly live e-coaching sessions and an ever-expanding library of exclusive video lessons with our faculty thought leaders, and industry experts, similar to Anthony. You'll get proven proprietary tools to accurately assess your career and develop a realistic strategy to achieve your aims faster. Your membership also includes chat access to faculty plus discounts to our transformative conferences. You can sign up today, right now if you'd like to, and use promo code 20OFF, 20OFF, for a 20% discount on the monthly subscription. That's coupon code 20 off 20 OFF when you go to influentialu.global. Next week, we interview Catherine Newton, the CEO of Catherine Newton Consulting from Auckland, New Zealand. We haven't had a whole lot of Auckland, New Zealand people yet, but we're about to because the time changed. So get ready. You're going to hear some great accents. She's an accomplished keynote speaker and passionate about bringing ideas to life. You will not want to miss her interview. Thank you so much for joining us today. Each week, we stream live at 2 p.m. Pacific on our website, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube, so you can easily share it with others. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other place you get your podcasts. Check out our show notes for links to connect with our guests, plus links to websites, books, or special downloads that we talked about in today's episode. This podcast is made possible by the influential you staff, faculty, and members all around the world. With special thanks to our executive producer, Tyson Crandall, and contributions from Michael Teehee, Joey Anderley, Daryl Anderley, Paul West, and Liz Smiley, and a special thanks to our guest today, Anthony Nicoli. The Influential You podcast is produced by Influence Ecology, LLC in Ventura, California. This episode was recorded on November 9th, 2022. The podcast theme is by Chris Standring, entitled Fast Trained Everywhere. And if you haven't yet offered a rating or review, I ask that you take a moment Go to iTunes or your podcast app and let us know what you think. This helps us more than you know. And we'll see you next week on the Influential You podcast.
Thank you.